us out, I encourage you to uh, keep giving us a try. Uh, Pastor Don will be back. I'm, I'm temporary. He, he's gearing up for the fall uh, and has had a full week of, um, of activities and counseling and so on as he was sharing a very full week. But he'll be back. And uh, if you need to know what the events are, uh, the web page is, is pretty cool. I, I went on this, this week and uh, saw about the cookbooks. And they, they need like 450 more recipes. Uh, and I was kind of hoping to get my wife of one of those books for Christmas. So. <laughs> She's a good cook, but, you know, maybe your recipe would uh, give her something new. Our option is, is to give the youth group, if you want to write a check above and beyond your tithe for $100 or $200, they probably won't have to sell them. But I broke down. I have, I have my, um, my recipe here on how to make samoras, <laughs> the extra chocolatey type. So wife doesn't let me in the kitchen. If it's, if it's not brats, I don't get to touch it. So, uh, but please support the youth there if you can. Sunglasses are not going to do the trick. I'd like to just share just a few minutes uh, from the Bible about the 23rd Psalms and how it relates to, to Christians. The Psalm has probably been, that the 23rd Psalm has probably been recited by more Jewish people, Christians, and even in the secular world than any other major passage in the Bible. We hear it a lot of times at funerals. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And so uh, I, I hope to maybe just bring something new or something unfamiliar to you that might be a, a little bit different. And if you would join me in prayer as we, we focus together uh, with the word. Father, I just thank you so much for the band, for Matt, and for the attitude of our heart become oneness. We're so encouraged as we worship you. And as we look at your word now, Father, I know for a fact that probably many of us come from different backgrounds this week. Some of us have had probably some really terrible days, maybe some real loneliness and some heartache, maybe some financial problems. Other of us probably um, have had a great week and we're rejoicing and thanking you. And Father, Maybe we're uncertain. So we pray for the freedom of your word to penetrate our hearts, that we might change and be pleasing to you. Amen. Have, um, have any of you ever been on a sheep farm or out in a pasture? I see a few. Mr. Davis back there. I have not, but I have read a lot. And we had... Uh, a ladies retreat person who stayed in our house who was the uh, wife of a shepherd. And I've talked to others and so I know a little bit about it from what I've read. I've not been out there, so what I share with you, some I've, I've gleaned from Philip Keller who has written a book about the Good Shepherd. But the Bible is loaded with stories and care, uh, comparisons between the sheep and the shepherd. The 23rd Psalm is called The Good Shepherd. Did you, did you know much about sheep at all? That they have really no defenses to speak of? They're slow. They can't run very fast. They can't fight. They don't really have claws or sharp teeth. 
they mainly use their teeth for, for grazing. No claws, no beaks. They can't blend into their surroundings like a chameleon. And they can't produce an odor that would keep people away. So sheep really need a lot of care. And so when we make the comparison of sheep and people, we need a lot of care. Oh, in our affluent society, in our culture, particularly as Americans, we, we're a little bit haughty because we think we have things under control oftentimes. And the Lord has to humble us. But we are similar to sheep. I mentioned that the Bible refers to sheep more than any other animals, more than snakes or goats or salamanders, skunks, eels, bats, sheep. The only other relationship that's talked about more in the Bible is the relationship between father and children. The shepherd and sheep is mentioned next, most often. We're city people for the most part. We don't know about sheep. We don't know their mannerisms. We only know a little bit about the comparisons that we see in the Bible. But as we go through the 23rd Psalm, which was actually a song, similar to the song that Dan wrote, that the Jewish people would sing in order to, to realize um, and to memorize it. We're a lot like sheep. Sheep are very skittish. Uh, they're, they're prone to mob. They scatter easy. They're prone to wander. They're basically stupid. They're stubborn. And they have bad eating habits if not taken care of. I know that doesn't apply to any ass, but that's the way it is with sheep. The 23rd Psalm has a lot of sediment about it. As I said, we talk about it at a funeral, but it's not always founded in the true meaning. It's written by David. He was a shepherd. The last time I had the privilege of bringing the scripture to you, I talked a little bit about David and how he uh, was trained to go up against Goliath, but he started as a shepherd. He was a warrior, a flute player. He was a king, a Goliath uh, killer, a songwriter. And uh, Brother Cain, Dan Crane, pointed out that he was also a prophet. And he reminded me of that last time. But when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, he wrote it as though he was a sheep and God was a shepherd. And he wrote it when he was king. So we can learn some things about his life. If we have the, um, the uh, setup on the computer, I would like it, if you would, perhaps you've done this as a youth, memorize the 23rd Psalm. Anybody do that in camp or anything, have to learn the 23rd Psalm? Or is that fairly new? We did. Uh, would you join me as we recite it together? Ready? Join me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my hands. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and love will me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not going to go through it all, but we're going to just take a, a couple, of, uh, couple of those verses. It begins out, the Lord is my shepherd. David seems to be saying, with a great deal of emphasis, as you look at the language here, it is God who is my, my shepherd. He is my owner. He's my manager. He's my Lord. He's my caregiver. The sheep are safe and secure with the shepherd. Keller, in his, in his book, I'll quote just a, a chapter or a, a few uh, paragraphs here. He writes, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I'm completely satisfied in his management of life. Why? Because he's the sheepman. There's no trouble too great that he won't care for his flock. He's the shepherd who is outstanding because he's of his fondness of the sheep. He loves them for his sake uh, as well as his own pleasure, as well as wanting to take care of them and to provide for them. He will, if necessary, be on a job 24 hours a day to see that the, they are properly provided for in every detail above all. He is jealous. His name is the Good Shepherd. He is the owner who delights in his flock. For him there is no greater reward, no deeper satisfaction than that of seeing the sheep content, well-fed, safe, flourishing under his care. There is in, indeed the very life that he gives. He gives it all. He laid down his life for the shepherd. Christ talks about that in John chapter 10, about laying down the life for the sheep. He will go to no end, no trouble, no labor. It's too great to find the finest grazing, the richest pasturage, ample feed, clean water. He'll spare himself no pains to provide shelter from storms, protection, ruthless enemies, disease, parasites, the disease uh, is so susceptible for sheep. In, in Palestine, when, uh, when Jesus was on earth and when David was, was uh, on earth, there's a particular area that's about 17 miles wide and 35 miles long where almost all the sheep raising are done. A, a good pastor stayed with the sheep 24 hours a day. There's maybe more than one person looking after them. Sheep were not just raised for lamb chops, like we do cattle and, and other domesticated animals. They were raised for the wool. And so the sheep would, would spend years and years and years with the same shepherd. And he would know them. He would know their quirks. He would know how they operate. He would know how they would feed. He would know about the trouble that they got into. And he would be able to care for them com completely. We know that the shepherds were up at night because they were, uh, some of them came and, uh, with their flocks or left their flocks under care and, and came to see the birth of Jesus. So it was different than our domesticated cattle where we you know, set them out and provide hay and water for them. They were with him long periods of time. It was a 24-7. He had a, a shepherd usually just had a, had a few Essentials. He had like a backpack that had his sling in it and some food and his rod and staff that's referred to in, in the, um, later on in the 23rd Psalm. You know, I see the kids back to school now and uh, stopped in the store and there was rows and rows of backpacks. And you see all different colors, all different shapes. Your kids are, are back to school and everyone's got a different backpack loaded with the things that they need to get through the day. That's the way it was with a shepherd. 
so it was no surprise that David had a sling and stones that he was able to ward off wild animals. second part of that verse is, I shall not want. That was confusing for me a little bit because I, I want an awful lot of things at times. How about you? Commercials are full of things that I'd like to have. But the real root of the word there is, I shall not go wanting. I will have the things that I need. It's not like uh, I'm dating myself now. Amen, we'll now have the benediction. Oh, not quite. Remember Janice Joplin? She was a wicked woman, ended up dying, I think, of a drug overdose. She had that song, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? My I get wrapped up in my work. <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave it with Janice Joplin, but <laughs> the passage really meant to describe that I will not want. I am confident that the shepherd is going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my needs. Uh, sure, as Christians, we still have that covetousness where we want more and better and bigger, but that's not the intention of, of what's talked about here. I would like to just uh, indulge you a little bit and... Um, there are a few, a number of passages that I would like to just, so that it's not me talking about this, but it's, it's the scriptures that it, that the uh, Holy Spirit might work in your heart. Uh, scriptures that are talking about sheep. In Psalm 77, it said, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Aaron and Moses. Psalm 79, 13. But we, your people, the sheep of your pastures, will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 80 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who led Joseph like a flock. Psalm 95, 7, For he is our God, and we are the sheep of his pasture and the sheep at his hand. Psalm 100, Know that the Lord, he is good. He who has made us, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah says, I will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them go astray, does he not leave the 99 on a mountain and go to search for the stray one? Matthew, it says, When, we saw the, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the last one, you will fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Scriptures are full of the comparison of the sheep and the shepherd. The next verse is, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, that doesn't mean too much to me. But it's quite a task, I understand, to get sheep to lay down. 
if he's laying down or she's laying down in green pastures, it means there must be ample food around. The shepherd has done his job. But there are at least four things that would cause sheep not to lay down because of their characteristics. One is being timid or fearful. Another is being social. Another is being annoyed. Another is being hungry. Being timid or, or fearful, as a Christian, a shepherd is nearby. We can often dispel, uh, when he's nearby, panic and fear in our hearts, but golly, you've read the news. You know what it's like. There's sexual predators out there. There's thugs. We're always uh, afraid of our finances. We never know what's lurking. Sheep. I'm told that oftentimes if a ewe is, is going to give birth, a lot of times even a dog chasing them will cause them to, uh, to have a miscarriage. If sheep are fearful, if there's a threat of wolves or anything else, they're not going to lay down in green pastures. If we're consumed with fear in our lives, it's hard for us to relax as well. It's hard just to trust Chuck Swindoll, you've probably heard him on the radio, he's a rather prolific author, has a little story um, from one of his books, and he says, I remember the night when I was taking care of a couple of the grandchildren. It was late in the evening, but since grandfathers usually let your children stay up longer than they should, they were still awake. I resemble that. We were laughing, messing around, having a great time together when suddenly we heard a knock at the door. Not the doorbell, but a mysterious knocking. Immediately, one of the grandsons grabbed hold of my arm. It's okay, I said. The knock came again, and I started to the door. My grandson followed me, but he hung on to my left leg and hid behind me as I opened the door. It was one of my son's friends who had dropped by unexpectedly. After that person had left and I closed the door, my grandson, still holding on to my legs, said in a strong voice, Bubba? We don't have anything to worry about, do we? And I said, no, we don't have anything to worry about. Everything's fine. You know why he was strong? Because he was hanging on to protection. As long as he was hanging on to my leg, he didn't have a thing to worry about. If sheep are fearful, if we're fearful, it's hard for us to rest. It's hard for us to lay down in green pastures. Second is social. Sheep, as we are, social. If they're butting heads or if someone is leaving the flock, there's disruption. How about at work? You have that person who aspires to get around you, who or at school, someone who is giving you a rough time. You can't relax. It's hard to not think of anything but, but that. Jealousies and rivalries. I was listening to the ball game the other day when they were talking about when the Cardinals were losing so bad. I said, uh, I understand there's a lot of clubhouse rivalry going on, a lot of competition there. And the, uh, the other commentator said, yeah, but when they're winning, nobody thinks about those kind of things. When things are going well and there's no rivalry, maybe you have a wayward spouse, maybe you have uh, a child that is grief or a mom and dad that... Uh, 
are struggling or an aunt and uncle that just won't let you alone. It's hard to rest when there's social tension. That's the way it is with sheep. That's the way it is with us. Another thing is pest, particularly with sheep. Insects uh, can really be nuisance. Have you ever had a hot summer night and you've tried to go to sleep? Maybe you've been camping or maybe a mosquito got into your bedroom and you try to lay down and every time you lay down, a mosquito buzzes your ear. Man, how annoying. Or have you been out in the yard or in the, in, at the pool or something and a horse fly keeps buzzing around you? It's, it's pretty tough to relax. Uh, I had the privilege, Dan and I, and, and Andrew, and my, one of my sons go, to go up to Canada on a fishing trip about two weeks ago. And man, we had a blast. And we would take this single, load, single lane or two-way road way back, and then uh, we would get off of that, and we'd take this logging uh, trail back, I don't know, another five miles or so. Uh, you could just barely get a vehicle through. And finally, we get back to this lake that not many people had fished in, and we're so excited, and we stepped out of the truck, and the mosquitoes just, just encompassed us. We had our hoods to our jackets on, except for Andrew. He had short pants on. They didn't bother him. I don't know what's up with that. But if things are bothering you, if you have pest in your life, if you have an annoying injury, if you have a something else that is irritating in your life, maybe something that's broke or going to break or your car is making a noise or the toaster don't work, it's hard to relax. It's hard to trust the Lord. Uh, sheep are particularly uh, prone to, uh, they call them nasal flies. I don't want to gross you out here, but these flies would lay their larvae in the moist noses. And when the larvae hatched, they would travel up sinuses, up towards the brain. And I understand you could see sheep out there just beating their heads and scratching it and then being so irritated. They couldn't lay down in green grass because they were so terribly irritated. There are pests in our lives, I know, that irritates us. That we can't relax. Handicaps, sicknesses, could be most anything in your life or my life. The last one is, is hunger. Sheep flourish in the arid climates because there's few bugs. However, that creates a, quite, a, quite a little problem because there's not as much grass. To, and, and so the shepherd has to be continually on the search and the watch to find green grass. As seasons change, they oftentimes go up just above the snow line where the grass is fresh. And so if there's, there's, if there's not grass enough to eat, the sheep are not going to lay down. Because they're, if you're hungry, if you're without a job and it looks like uh, the food is about gone in the pantry, it's, it's hard to relax not knowing where the next meal has come from. And there's probably some in, in our church congregation who's had a, had a tough time recently. Sheep need to, uh, once again, I'm not trying to gross you out, but they need to regurgitate. They need to lay down and bring their cud back up and reach you and all that kind of stuff that they do in order to produce milk, in particular, uh, 
for, for the lambs. And so they have to lay down to do that. They don't often do it standing. The next verse is, he leads me by still waters. Well, sheep need clean, fresh water. Oftentimes, sheep, if there's not a lot of water, they will go back to polluted puddles where there's parasites and critters grown in it. A shepherd, a good shepherd, has to be on the move constantly. He has to find a well or dig a well. He has to find a stream or build a dam. Understand sheep can, um, can live a long time, can go almost a month just by licking the dew off of the grass in the morning. But a shepherd's got to get them up early. Got to get up and spend time with them to get out there and take care of that. Sheep just don't take care of themselves. They'll drink that polluted water. Or they'll wander off looking for a stream or a lake or any, any scent of water that they can find. Praise the Lord that we've got a shepherd that looks after us. You know, he takes care of us in ways that we can't even imagine, we don't even think about. Praise be to God for the way that the shepherd cares for us. He restores my soul. Well, he does that, and I'm so glad he restores our soul, particularly when we go through time of trial, tribulation, sickness, death, confrontation, loss of job. But for, for a sheep, they have a tendency, if they get on a hillside, to fall over. And if they get on their back, I'm told that they, they can't always get back up. They're full of heavy wool. They get on their back, they'll, they'll actually can die if the shepherd doesn't come around and lift them back up. And because they have so much wool, they can get tangled up in briar bushes. Uh, and they have to be restored. The shepherd has to come along. He has to recognize them. He has to look after them. Thanks be it that our God is not disappointed when we're down on our back. We fall and make mistakes, but he wants to write us back up. He wants to restore our souls. Oftentimes, uh, it's just because the sheep are clumsy, they're too fat, or they're too weighted down with the, with the wool they got. When it says he leads me, by backing up a little bit, when it says he leads me by still waters, I'm, I'm told that if, uh, if a sheep gets near a, a raging torrential rain river or a stream, if their wool gets wet, they can easily fall in the stream and drown. They just can't move around that well. I don't think Jean Brown made it to church here this morning. I got an email from her. Her mother's quite ill, and she wanted to be here. And uh, the ladies have, uh, some of the ladies in the church have a Bible study that gets together on Thursdays. And um, Linda was telling me that Jean was sharing that she was familiar with the sheep. She said that oftentimes a lamb that gets displaced from, from the mom, from the ewe, might just be out in the middle, middle of the field and would just sit out there and bleat and cry and bleat and cry and not move, not do anything. Just said it's just the most annoying thing that, that you ever want to hear. They have a, not enough sense to move around. They'll just keep making that cry until mom comes and finds them. Thank goodness the shepherd comes and finds us and he looks after us.
Sometimes it restores our soul because we have fallen into sin. You know, we have done what's not pleasing. And a shepherd sometimes, as they begin to wander away, will reach into his, his uh, grab his sling, reach in and get a rock, and he'll throw it out towards that sheep, throw it in front of him to startle him. So he'll turn around and come on back to the rest of the fold as he begins to wander away. The Holy Spirit sort of does that for us. I have to confess, not with, with, uh, with a great deal of reservations, I was watching one of the network programs this week, and um, I knew after about five minutes of watching this program that I should have turned it off. You know what I mean? It's, I, I didn't need to see what I was seeing there. But I didn't. Oh, it's got to get better, right? Well, it didn't. That wasn't the half of it, though. The next days, I, I reconjured those images and thoughts in my mind again. Thanks be it to the Holy Spirit who reminds me, who threw a rock into me, said, get back, I want to restore your soul. I was able to ask for forgiveness and get on with it. That's, the way, that's what the Lord does for us. That's what the Lord, the shepherd does for the sheep. Restores their soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Interpreted, he makes the right path for me. Sheep graze in the plateau in Palestine when, where this was written, but they also have to follow paths up the mountainside. And so the, the good shepherd has to prepare a path. There are wolves waiting in the crags. There's a fallen rock. There's torrential rains, hailstorm, and he has to, to lead them in a right path. Sheep are very, can't think of the word, they're in a rut. They follow the same pattern over and over again. Uh, I don't know if, um, if you've been on Route 4 and 143. It's not far from my house. There's a, there's a farm there, and I, I don't know if he's got sheep. I know he's got cattle. And those cattle, I assume, every day on the way to work, up and down the same path. I've seen it year after year after year. And when the rain comes, it just, you know, there's no grass there. It washes it all away. If the sheep create a rut, the pasturage land is gone. I know, we get in a rut. We like to do the same thing over and over again. That's not always bad. But sometimes, you know, we need to step out to find different pasture. We need to follow the shepherd if he's taking us someplace a little bit different. Now, that doesn't mean we wander way over here to the other fence to the point where the shepherd continually has to go get that one lamb that's got away. But sometimes we can get in a rut. I know I can. And we need to step out. We need to do things different. We need to find the green pasturage that the shepherd has for us as a church, as individuals, as a family. Isaiah 53.6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to man, that path, but in the end it leads to death. But also we're reassured in John 14, 6, it says, I come that you might have abundantly, life abundantly. I'm going to close here in, in just a minute with perhaps a couple options. As I mentioned before, Pastor Don has, has taken a break, but he is here with us, and um, he would like to say hi to each of you is today, if you haven't said hi already. And um, he'd like you to sh shake his hand, give him a hug, say howdy ho. But in, in closing, I would suggest, I'm not your conscience, but I'd like to suggest there are at least maybe four options, maybe a lot more. The Holy Spirit might be working in your heart, I don't know. Four options as we compare sheep and shepherd. Perhaps you are walking under his care and his guidance. Praise the Lord. Thank him. Share it with others. Rejoice. Sing a glad song. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that you're there. Number two, perhaps you're restless. You can't lay down. You're hungry. You're afraid. There's social conflict going on in your life. There are things that are pesty. And you're having a hard time relaxing. All I can say is, try giving it to the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Third, perhaps you're in a rut and you need to follow the shepherd and seek out some green grass. And fourth, I hope this is not the case. Perhaps you're here and you've been scattering the sheep. Perhaps you've been a nuisance. Perhaps you've been part of the problem. I hope that's not the case. Here's a chance to get it right. Seek the shepherd. Matter of fact, as we're exiting, if you're shaking uh, Pastor Don's hand or, or, or greeting him and, or, or, and Elise, if you're having a problem like that, when you shake his hand, would you kind of grip it a couple times and let him know that maybe you're having a struggle? We'd like to pray for you. We need to thank him. We need to ask for help. We need to be something real. I'd like to close with a, with a little story here. I learned something particularly new this, this week. I've used the phrase a lot, perhaps you have. I'd like to turn over a new leaf. You ever use that? that? I never did quite understand what it meant. What A leaf from a tree. Well, I found out that that's not what that means. There's a deeper meaning to that. And a leaf in, in days of old was often talked about as taking a, a piece of paper and you turn over a new leaf. You turn over the next page. And so when I read this poem um, by Kathleen Wheeler, it made a little more sense about turning over a new leaf. So perhaps, perhaps, I wouldn't want to be presumptuous, but this might be your prayer today as I read this short poem. He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new leaf for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one.
I took his leaf, it was all soiled and blotted, and gave him a new one, all unspotted. And then into his tired heart, I smiled, do better, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new, a new day for me, dear master? I've spoiled this one. He took my day, all soiled and blotted, and gave me a new song, a new, a new one, all unspotted. And then into my tired heart he smiled, do better now, my child, do better. Father, I thank you that you are our shepherd that we shall not want. I thank you for your leading in our lives as we submit anew to you and to your love. Thank you for worship. Thank you for being a God who cares and loves. Amen.